Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. And this week I am your host, Dan Healy, and the fabulous four have now become a tremendous trio. And I have the ever presence with me still. I have Lee Dobbs and Rob Newell. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, I'm all good as always. Yeah, coming out of the ball pen ready to make a save. <laughs> Rain good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> well, we have been abandoned again, guys. No, uh, no uh, longer than what a week or so of being back to uh, to normality, and our host has left us once yeah. again to Spain. I think just a few minutes after we recorded last time, he suddenly remembered that he had a stag do in Marbella booked out. So off he goes um, to uh, to have lots of fun. Um, Pete, we'll try and do you justice. Um, have fun out there. Stay hydrated. Try and find that Madeirian beer that we hear so much about. It'd be good to hear your feedback with that. And uh, But while the cat's away, the fisher across the pond will continue to play. So... Guys, it's not been the best week as uh, um, Marlins fans. We'll park the uh, the game last night because that is something positive to talk about with uh, an opening series win against uh, Pirates. But just going back since the last time we spoke, um, we have had a series against the Cincinnati Reds, which we lost 3-1. And even that one took um, an extra innings sort of consolation scramble to get that win. Otherwise, uh, I think if we had lost 4-0 to the Reds, that probably would have gone down as our most disappointing result of the season. So I'm pleased in the way that we did scramble and show some character to get that uh, that one win. But uh, yeah, not a good, really, not a very good performance there. We'll talk briefly about that. And then um, uh, we followed that up with a trip to Washington where we got duly swept by, um, by the Nationals. So... Uh, yeah, not been brilliant, but um, Lee, I'll, I'll come to you first. One, the one thing I've sort of always said about this team, and we are a losing team at the moment, mm-hmm. but I've always said that when we're losing, we've always shown that fight. We've always sort of carried on to to the end, whatever happens, and we sort of, but not give up. We're quite a fun team to watch, even when we're losing. The Reds, yeah. I don't know how much you saw of it, but from what I saw of it, it wasn't very pretty. It seemed like that had gone. You know, the effort, it was all a bit lethargic. Do you do you look at this as it's maybe we're creeping in, we're into September now, there's only a few weeks of the season. Are we down in tools a little bit? Is it uh, we're on the beach? Or is it just one of those things that um, that happens in baseball and you'll get peaks and, and troughs and, you know, it's just a bit expected? What's your take on it, mate? Yeah, I think it's just a bit, a bit of, you know, there's one more month to go. You know, we we know we're not going nowhere now. Yeah, you know, it's hard when you're playing a team as well who also aren't going nowhere. You know, it's hard. To, it's, you know, it's hard to get up, get up, get up for the FNN games. Yeah, I mean, the the crowd was what four thousand, five thousand for the games. Yeah. It was poor, poor crowd. It was. I mean, it must have been been hard to be motivated. You know, you know to play. Obviously, you got players you know coming up now as well. You know, for, for another for another forty man roster. Yeah, so so you got players, you know, you know, you know they're coming in, they're you know, they're, you know, they're going out. It's hard, it's hard to, to to get a rhythm going, and I, mm. and I think it was just one. I mean, it, at, at, actually, my my emoji of the week was going was going <laughs> to be yeah a dog, you know, you know, 
because we were we were we were in the dog days you know of august as the saying goes so yeah so i think it's just a long season obviously we still we're still a young squad you know who who haven't played you know played a full season much you know for for most of them especially the the starters which we've seen actually our august talking of the august we gave up 186 runs in august which was which was the most we've let in in a month this year by 50 runs. So it was a, you know, the whole of August was was just poor, you know, as it all, you know, always is. And so yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things where you know it's a long season, yeah. you know, it's a losing team, you know, and, and it's just just hard to get, you know, get get up for, for for the games against you know teams as well, well who are struggling. Yeah. Well, whilst you've brought up August. We've just very quickly spoke about it before we come on. It seems like a pretty perfect time to, to, to say it. But you've got a pretty wild stat about the Marlins yeah. and August. <laughs> I've gone back through because we have discussed, I know Rob has on here before, how August we always struggle. It's, it's, yeah, it's been a common theme. So I went back. I went up to 2003 originally. But from 2003 to 2006, we actually had winning Augusts or we were 500 in one of them. Obviously, that, that that was when we were you know, a decent team as well. So, yeah, that's my major expected. But since then, we've been dire. We've had 13 Augusts. In that time, we are 139, 224, <laughs> just in the month of August. So that's nearly 100 more losses almost you know, in 13 seasons. I mean, in the last nine alone, it's 92 and 160. We've had one winning August in the last 13 and one when we were 500. Now, as I said, I want a quiz question. Can anyone know or care to guess of when that winning August was? <laughs> what, what year were we actually good in August? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Rob, because I've only been a Marlins fan for a couple of years. So you're going to have a much more educated guess than I am. I know that you have already said on this pod that usually... You've given up by now with August. You've normally switched <laughs> off, but you you keep it going for the purpose of this podcast. So I'll let you have a uh, far more educated guess than me, mate. I think it's either 2009, which was a really wacky season, where it was a really bad start and then really, really caught up, um, or 2012, which was the first season in the stadium, because that, yet again, was a season which had sort of... There was a few big winning runs. Your... Well, 2009 was the year when we had the 500 record. We were 14 and 14. But no, 2012, we were 12 and 17. It's actually, funny enough, Dan, you mentioned you're a new fan. Oh, really? <laughs> it was actually in 2017. Well, You were 17 and 12. <laughs> oh, right. And since then, we won, well, we won seven games this year, seven games last year, 10 games in 2016. 11 games in 2015. <laughs> yeah, we, we've lost 18, 18, 19, 22. We were 8 and 20 in 2013. 2014, we weren't too bad. It was 13 and 14. 2011, it was 7 and 20. <laughs> so it's, it's become a real theme with, with the Marlins, how August comes and, and, and you know, then, we, then we just fall apart completely. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, that, so, that, so there's a little stat. 2017 is the only winning August in the last. 13 years <laughs> well that's uh yeah that's very interesting and as you say it does highlight what what 
Rob and, and yourself have brought up before. It's a uh, it's a strange theme that um, hopefully we can snap out of. I want I just I wonder why I wonder why it does yeah. become the month of August that we switch off because there's still a hell of a lot of baseball to play by in August. So Great yeah, I, just... I mean the last like I say 13 years it's well, coincides with when we haven't actually had a winning record. So it's sort yeah. of you know we about coming coming out of August. Yeah, you know, we we we're normally good. Then it was in August when we, you know, we've been a wild card races up until August and then fallen away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has definitely been been an issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we start a challenge, we, we obviously we need to change change that in the future. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay, mate. Well, yeah, good good start. Well done for that. That's uh, very interesting. Um, so yeah, not not great against the Reds. We'll put it politely. Not great. And then on we went to uh, to Washington where we. Um, we were swept. Now, probably not, you know, as terrible because they're on great form at the moment, and we 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 hit them at, um, at the, the sort of teeth of their rotation. Quick question for for you, Rob. When the, the games against um, Washington, all right, we made a we made a good uh, competitive game of it in the first, but then we were dispatched um, duly in games two and three by Strasbourg and Corbin. Now. Those performances, especially Strasbourg, who absolutely blew us apart. I think he got 14, 15 Ks in that um, eight innings game, no earned runs, just um, really took us apart. But that came up against arguably our best pitchers uh, at the same time in Pablo and Caleb. Now, does that say to you that we're still sort of a long, long way away in terms of that elite level in terms of pitching? Or does it actually say to you it's the opposite? It's more that they can hit us, but we haven't got the power to hit them when you're coming up against something, someone as good as Strasbourg and Corbin? I think it's a combination of, of those things and others, and actually incorporates a little bit of the August slump as well in, in, in this. Just, just take it back to that series. That first game of the series um, was the, the narrow 7-6 loss. And in that... Um, uh, we hit two home runs in the the final inning, which I believe was Castro. I'm going to look this up. Uh, Ramirez and Castro, and it looked like a win. And then Stanek, unfortunately, had a had another bad performance, and that was that. And I think that kind of set the tone for the series because the morale has obviously been hit quite badly. You think you've won the game, and then you know Stanek had managed to get a save last week. And we thought, right, okay, maybe we're getting into some kind of rhythm. The the issues with Smith and Lopez is, I still don't think Lopez is fully fit already. We could see that, and and I think we've seen that in his last two starts. I just think that the, the he had sort of a maybe a better level of competition to to go up against, and it's very difficult when your side's losing and and unable to score than than it is when you've got a comfortable margin. Yes, there is a difference between Smith and Lopez and and maybe Corbin and and Strasbourg, but not so much. You've got to remember both Smith and Lopez are nowhere near on their form what they were at the start of the season before they were both injured. So whether you, you, you associate that with the injury or whether you associate that with fatigue, um, uh, with the, uh, things that Corbyn and, and, and Strasbourg have not had to deal with. But the August factor is quite important. Washington are on a tear at the moment and their confidence is very high. Their bullpen problems um, have seemed to sort themselves out. Um, they um, 
are doing quite well in the intergame play. They they uh, interleague play, so they've been done very well against the Phillies right recently. The Mets, of course. Um, I don't know if you, you followed that game the other night where. So what what lead do they blow? Like seven runs or something yeah, in the nine, last. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. That they're on a a real hot streak, and that they can still catch the Braves. And yeah. and this is the the Washington team that we were kind of expecting, but for some reason had that real kind of awkward kind of start to mid early part of the season. Um, so you're you're playing a team on form compared to the Marlins. Now, the Marlins are in a little bit of flux because, and this is the other reason why August, I think, has been problematic. You've not got any chance of making the wild card. You tend to sell and rebuild a bit. So you will, you'll, you'll do some trades um, in what would have been you know, the end of July and even into August. And so you've got the unsettling factor in the squad where the teams that are actually aiming to get into the wild card or leading the division will actually be building. So they'll be taking players off teams like the Marlins and strengthening. So you're losing strong players, making a, a, a how should I put it, a more a team that's more in flux, it's less settled. And I think that's a combination of all those factors is the reason why um, we've struggled so much in August, why we struggled really against the Reds. And against against Washington, I think, as you said, we came across two good pitches. We had um, uh, a game that we really should have won. And then when it came down to, the, you know, even the, the final game not being funny, um, you know, until Lopez kind of had his, his issues, it was, um, uh, you know, we, we, were, we were still quite close. We were still being able to score. So... Um, I just think we were... I saw that was the Caleb Smith game. Sorry, wasn't it? Sorry yeah. that Smith had his issues with that one. That was it. Um, but, you know, we, we, was, we were... I think we were leading at one point, weren't we, um, at the top of the fifth, and that's when it kind of unravelled a bit and, and our bullpen couldn't couldn't sustain it. So, I, I, you know, it's just one of those things. You're playing a hot team and, yeah. and we're not hot. No, nah, that's right. Yeah, it's not, nothing. I mean, I, I didn't look at that with any exempt really I just thought well exactly what you just said it's not it's nothing really we're, we're, we're doing nothing they're going for um well at least a wild card if not automatic so uh yeah we we just played them at the wrong time really so so on we go to um the Pirates and um last night's game we're quite fortunate because Rob couldn't sleep Lee was up at 2am watching uh tennis as well so we can cover this quite well guys um <laughs> Now, from what I saw, which was only the uh, the highlights, um, it looked like the sort of performance that we had seen when we was hitting a bit of form. We've been playing a bit of 500 ball and we were, you know, we've, we've been competitive. We've been pitching quite well. We've been batting well. Now, the pitching especially, apart from, I think it was Duggar that had a good performance in one of the games against the Reds. Um, we saw a really good performance last night from Sandy, which was... Um, which was really pleasing. Um, but there were some great moments with the glove. John Bertie with an incredible catch in centre field, uh, probably our moment of the season, maybe even in terms of a fielding thing. Um, and then some bombs to finish it off to come back and, and get a win. Um, most importantly, though, guys, uh, I'll come to you first with it, Lee, because you're the one that caught it. <laughs> we have uh, Jose Urania back in yeah. the closing position, and he got us a save. You caught this. A good few weeks ago. Do you think that um, 
this is something that will be ongoing now, next season? Do you think he'll come back to starting rotation or do you think he'll be here at all? Uh, I say, I, I, I think in order it would probably go him being a closer is mo- most likely, then him not being here second likely, and then him being a starter, probably the least likely from here on in. Yeah, I, I, as I said, I mean, I said I thought he'd be the closer next year anyway, so I, I won't, I won't change my mind now on that. So yeah, I mean, and so far, obviously he pitched pitched well last night, clean, you know, a, a, a clean inning, he had a, a, a good inning on Sunday night as well. So so he's, he's come back strong. Yeah, I don't see any reason why he can't can't carry on in that role. I mean, Stanek's come in and shown he's maybe not a closer, you know, as, as they maybe hoped <laughs> when they got him. So yeah, I, I think he'll be the say so next year. I think he'll going into spring training at least. He he should be be the closer, you know, in waiting unless something you know drastic go you know, happens, and he's either traded you know, or let go in you know Dan Straley style, but. I think he's more, more he's he's got more worth than Straley had, obviously, because he can go go in, go in, in into the pen for for, yeah, for the for the closer role. There's no obvious other candidate coming up, you know, unless we go you know, yeah, free agency. But then there's no point really spending the money yet, you know, on on that sort of, sort of area when when we aren't going to contend next year, probably, you know, fully. Well, like we we hopefully a bit closer to 500 next year, but all in all, yeah, I think. He, he should be be the closer, you know, in, in waiting at least for yeah. now, and, and, and you know, and, and see how he goes. Yeah, yeah. Now, so you you was up around two a.m. with one eye on the tennis. Um, so, what innings did you catch the Marlins from? I just saw it from the, I think it was the eight eight inning. All right, so right at the business end. So, so yeah. what was your um, what was the what was the better bomb? <laughs> I don't know. They're both good, aren't they? I mean, they were. It's always, it's always, you know, it's always good. You know, a ninth inning home home run though, you know, is is, is always good. Yeah, yeah, when when it comes from from the closer, you know, yeah, there, there's always something something special about them. As you know, as 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 we've seen seen against us, you know, a few times. So, yeah, so, yeah but obviously, and then you know, then then Cooper's in the in the tenth to win it. Yeah, it was good. So, you know, like, like saying earlier on, you know, you know, we showed fight, you know, throughout the whole game. You know, we out hit them. Was it seven to four, something like that? So, I mean, Sandy, I think at one point retired. Was it fourteen in a row? I think something like that. At one at one stage, you know, he had a, he had a wobbly start, with them, but then really, you know, you know, settled in. Yeah, it was only in the seventh when it sort of unraveled a little, and then and then Garcia had to come in. So yeah, I, I think it was a you know. A good game, and you know, at, at last we finally won. You know, won a game on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. It was more. It was more like the Marlins that we did see sort of glimpses yeah. of in our in our good streak. So, um, talking about Sandy, then Rob, um, a good performance last night. Um, he's been criticised a bit this season for you know not being aggressive enough and so on. You, you again was up on and off last night. Um, what did you make of Sandy's performance? I thought that was more aggressive than maybe he has been. I, it, the, I, I think it's just a sort of a tentativeness, um, if I've said that word right, <laughs> um, uh, in his play. I think sometimes when he can't find his pitches, locate his pitches, I think he gets a bit negative. Um, and But uh, one interesting point is that for the majority of games this season, Brian Holiday has been his catcher. 
Now, um, you know, Holiday would have uh, worked with Alcantara, especially last year uh, in AAA uh, for a little while, um, and in um, in the sort of uh, spring training. But it, it's quite clear that they're, they're using Holiday's big experience to help Alcantara be more attacking. And you could see that, especially his placement in the strike zone. I was very impressed with with how Holiday played that yesterday um, with Alcantara and Urania as well, um, especially getting it into the sort of the, the bottom corners of the strike zone. They they both could seem to um, allocate that really, really well. They were doing really, really well. I know he had problems right that the, in into the, the final inning he pitched where he had that walk, walk, walk. Um, and but he looked a bit more tired at that point. Uh, I, you know, he, he in regards to the the number of um, pitches he'd done, he, he was getting up to the hundreds at that point. He did 103 pitches, so you know you can't expect him to go much further. But considering, you know, when you have a, a situation where um, you have the odd bad inning here and there, and, and where you know you, you've taken a lot. of pitches to get out which was kind of the case really in the fifth then um you don't sometimes expect them to go seven innings but sandy does seem to have that real ability to really really go long and i i like the 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 difference in pitches and and the way he mixed and matched i thought it was it was really good um in regards to sandy if we compare him maybe like with smith and lopez and we're talking about like players like you know Strasbourg and etc um he's still very young and he's still developing so there's going to be odd games where he's not doing that well but um you know this is very very promising he was an all-star uh and it looks like for good reason so it was it was good that he had that stable start we've said that August has been bad partly because our pitching hasn't been good which has been the strong point of the whole year you kind of hope well, the, the the only sort of uh, thing that has been constant has been Sandy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a word, when you've got Sandy and you've got Pablo, both at the same age, I believe, 23 years old, if you had to take one, who's got the highest ceiling? That's really, really tough because the the thing that, is limiting Pablo is now is those couple of seasons of injuries. And that's where the concern, I always thought that maybe Pablo had the highest ceiling just because of, um, he's, well, I thought he had a better consistency. Um, and yet again, you're talking about range of pitches and his, you know, his slider and all the other bits and pieces. When, when I think early in the season, if you're comparing him and and sort of Sandy, sort of head to head, you might have took Pablo just above. But at the moment, um, Sandy looks like the kind of guy you'd hope injury free that in a next season could be your regular going seven and eight every single time. And because he just seems so efficient, he's yeah. very quick on the mound. Um, you know, uh, I, I I do have a concern that he hasn't been playing with Alfaro maybe so much. Talking about Brian Holiday, you know, unless they bring Holiday back for next year. Um, but I, in regards to ceiling, maybe because of Pablo's injuries, I think it'd be Sandy. So if you had to say between the two just now, I mm. think you might have to take Sandy over Pablo, which is for me quite painful because I really do like. 
like Pablo, you want them both in there. And that's the big thing to, to, to point out. When it gets to 2021, when you're thinking we're going to be really competitive, you want both of them in your rotation. Yeah. Uh, you know, them, um, those two with Sixto, and whether it be Edward Cabrera or whoever else who, who's going to come up with that, that's what you're really looking for. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, good, good. Right, so um, on to the rest of the series. We've, uh, we've, we're one new up. And we'll quickly recap now with the predictions. So on our little group chat, we decide, we all put in um, our predictions for this week. But just to recap on what's gone by previously, we each on the pods went 3-1 um, for the uh, Marlins against the Reds, except for Rob, who went for a sweep. So what was I drinking? None of the- None of us done well there. Um, all of us with a zero, except Rob, you get the minus one there, mate. Then on to the uh, the Nationals, and we had, I think, uh, three of us had a 2-1, I think, to uh, to Washington. Um, I can't remember who the, uh, I can't remember who the other one was. Anyway, um, I have added it up. I did go back and read it and had it up. So <laughs> we all we all scored zero on the first. Um, oh, sorry, oh, it was me. I had I had the sweep for Washington, so I got I got uh, I done well in that week. So in the first week against the Reds, all of us zeros minus one for Rob. Um, you each got a point for the correct series result. In the game against uh, the series against Washington, I got the three points for not only the correct score but the sweep as well, so the extra point, which means that you uh, at the bottom still Rob minus one for the first game, but then gained it back, so you stayed still on eleven points. Um, I'm still in the number three spot on nineteen, um, but I've closed the gap. Pete remains second on twenty, and Lee top on twenty one. So just two points separate the top three, and um, Rob's got some uh, some catching up to do. So. Yeah, some sweeps to, to, to predict. <laughs> I hope they come true. Yeah, I think that's the extreme every time now. <laughs> yeah, see, I think you're going to have to be tactical rather than sensible from now on. Yeah. Um, right, so uh, all season long, we've had very very good coverage uh, from our minor league systems from our very own Rob Neal. He's um, provided us with some great insight. It's been, um, especially for me, who have never really took any notice of that before this season, it's been a real learning curve for me. Um, and Rob, you've got a, um, a little summary of this season's review for the Baby Cakes, because I understand the season is now finished and you're going to provide us with some information. Yeah, so um, in regards to the Marlins uh, minor league affiliates, um, the most of them, the, the seasons are over now, um, apart from the Clinton Number Kings, who did really well this year. Um, uh, they're, they're the single-A affiliate. Uh, they are in the playoffs against the Kane, against Kane County um, tonight. Um, they actually came second in their league to Kane County as well, the Kane County Cougars, who are uh, Arizona Diamondbacks affiliates just missed out. There was a couple of games near the end. They lost one of those. They did they were very unlucky not to uh, to win that division. It's um, um, Eric Ghost, who's the, their um, play-by-play um, uh, commentator and also does podcasts for Fish Stripes, has, has been saying all season how impressed they are and the talent that is coming through 
um, with Clinton uh, last year um, that they were just just under 500 and this year this um, overall it's uh, 78 and 61 with a first half of 33 and 36 so it shows how those players that we brought in have developed and um, in regards to um, you know how they get on tonight or we just just hope that their, their season continues because they 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 really do deserve it they've played ever so well um both pitching and batting but i will go through clinton in more detail because what i'm going to do is um uh, i'm going to start with the baby cakes and triple a and work my way down to the single a short season and the gcl marlins because um i think in regards to how this rebuild is working our minor league uh, performances over for quite a few years have been incredibly poor. Uh, we've had a pretty poor farm system really since the days of, um, you know, when we had sort of Stanton, Yelich, et cetera, coming through. Um, and we tend to finish bottom of the leagues, um, poor attendances um, and really uh, sort of uh, uh, not much talent coming through. Well, the reverse is happening now. The GCL Marlins won their league. Um, Clinton Lumber Kings came second. So that's your, your you know, short season. Uh, sorry, uh, there's also Batavia. I forgot about Batavia as well and, and, and how well they've done this year as well. So GCS, uh, GCL, Batavia, Clinton, those three teams all have incredibly strong seasons. Um, and um, yes, that's not quite equated so much to, to Jacksonville, uh, Jupiter and Jacksonville when you go to um, single, uh, single A, advanced and double A uh, and with the baby cakes. Um, but you can see that that progression, that kind of sort of train of really, really good young talent is coming through and it's making a big impact. Uh, the, when you look down the MLB top 100 prospects now, there's a lot of Marlins in there. I think there's six now in there. Yeah. And that's that, that's such a massive change. Um, but um, if we just um, uh, talk about um, uh, the baby cakes. So they play their final game now of the season. And unfortunately for, for Nola, it's no more. That is, that's it. There is um, no more baseball even planned for there for next year. I believe their pitch is going to be turned into a rugby pitch, um, but um, which brings close, um, uh, you know, sort of a, a few decades of, of New Orleans baseball on the Shrine on Airline and in uh, in their previous home. Um, they used to be called the, the New Orleans Zephyrs, and there was a rebranding exercise done in 2017 to make them the New Orleans Baby Cakes. Um, which is a, a, even the locals don't know what a baby cake is. Um, so um, it was a confusing rebrand. It did um, see a spike in attendance um, for a while, but their attendance this year had an average of just under 3,000. It was the worst attendance in the, in the uh, PCL, uh, Pacific Coast League. Um, you know, the, the next worst attendance was uh, the Reno Aces at 5,000. And scary enough for us Marlins fans, the, the highest attendances were at the uh, Los Angeles Aviators, which was an Oakland Day affiliate, and the Nashville Sounds, which was Texas Rangers affiliate, and that was around the 9,000 mark. 
Um, wow. So, and actually, the Jacks, uh, Jacksonville get good crowds as well. If you if you step into Double A, I think they're they're around six thousand. So um, it kind of shows why there's a few calls for Las uh, Las Vegas to get a, a major league side. Um, but so that's that's the kind of the background. What's happening next year is they're moving to Wichita in Kansas, and uh, which is made famous by the Glen Campbell song Wichita Lineman. And at the moment, they're going through an exercise of choosing a name and they keep changing their Twitter handle. They're now called the Wichita Linemen. They've had various other, I think it's the Aviators or something like that, because they've got a, um, a sort of big uh, aviation history there. And so they'll be choosing um, their name over the next few weeks. It's a brand new purpose-built facility. They're building it at the moment. Um, the Shrine on Airline was considered to be one of the worst facilities in AAA. So this should really, really help our young players that come through because they will have the, the best facilities there. Um, in regards to the, the sort of performance, um, it, they didn't have the worst season. Um, they were 73 and 65. Last year, they were 69 and 70, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's good going for them. Um, in regards to what helped because the, the the main thing about um the, the pacific coast league is it's known to be a hitters league um but our pitching really held up well the second best pitching in the pacific coast league and of course it was um really really aided by uh, a few players um in there uh, alicia hernandez uh, did very well in his 48 innings pitched for 1.13 ERA, um, and even Hector Nwesi, who struggled um, when he's come up to the Marlins, had a 3.82 ERA after 125 innings pitched. But of course, Zach Gallen was the guy, the guy we talked about so much, that, that 91 innings pitched um, with, with only 18 earned runs. It was, it was incredible performance, uh, 0.71 whip. He was absolutely amazing. Um, and so our pitching has been very good. Our batting has been up and down. Austin Dean has absolutely dominated that division. He was the uh, AAA player of the season last year for um, the Baby Cakes, and I can't see anyone else really uh, who, who comes close to him this year. Uh, 252 at-bats. Um, uh, he has got an OPS of 1.036, which is which is quite amazing, and a batting average of 3.37. So just constantly on base out of that 18 home runs, 57 RBIs. Um, so he's been really, really dominant, and we now need to see Austin Dean obviously translate that. And I hope he has a good good game tonight um, um, against Pittsburgh. There's uh, other notable um, um, sort of batting performances in there. Eddie Alvarez who's an interesting backstory. This is a former speed skater who um, has converted himself um, into a, a shortstop and um, has had a, a cracking season, an OPS of 978. So yeah, again, on base a lot um, uh, with a batting average of uh, 3.23 uh, and out of that 12 home runs as well. So this is, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, a player out of nowhere that we were not expecting. Tyler Heinemann, who's just been brought up as a as a as a catcher, yet again as a, a a player that was bought in on from on cash considerations, really um, out of nowhere, and uh, has done very very well. Um, Lewis Brinson had a, a decent season down there, but 
the thing to remember is with that division is a very, very hitter friendly. We we laugh the fact that Yadiel Rivera, who is a player who looks like, especially in the Marlins, is, he can't seem to even get it off, you know, <laughs> get it past the infield, hit 14 home runs down there. But there has also been struggles. Peter O'Brien has really struggled. He's obviously been trying to convert his game to get more walks in it and less strikes outs. So there has been some disappointments down there. Uh, Magnery Sierra has done okay once he's come back and, and hopefully he can convert that now when he's back up into the Marlins. Um, but um, yeah, that is really sort of a, a, a roundup of that season. And just one last note um, in regards to the pitching with the, with the baby cakes is that... Um, we have managed to produce a few unexpected relief pitches. Uh, and there was Quijada had a few issues in his last game, but as you know, it again out of nowhere really looked like someone who could be very useful last year. Um, and um, uh, Tommy Eveld unfortunately struggled a bit and had to go down to Jacksonville, but I hope to see him back in there to, um, to make the saves. But the, um, uh, RJ Alvarez got 15 saves through the season. Another pitcher that potentially could come up. We've got a few bullpen options there. Mike Kickham being another one had a good season. They tried him out as a starter. And the, the final story is about Brian Moran, who obviously was called up 31. Um, you know, someone who'd been grinding away for 10 years, not made it, uh, and then has suddenly been called up in a series against Pittsburgh, where his brother is playing uh, in there as well. Um, so another magical story. But that's that's the the final chapter on the New Orleans baby cakes. And next year, we'll be talking about the Wichita whatevers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be confirmed, yeah. Excellent, excellent roundup. So I assume by moving location, that's all that changes. The, the, the staff, the players, it all just carries on. It's not like a a complete start from fresh. It's just literally we're changing location, changing names. Yeah, that that's right. And there was a there was a little bit of um, um, sort of I suppose a few comments about it. it's a bit of an odd place for for Miami to locate a team because if you think about it, Jupiter is Florida, Jacksonville is Florida, and New Orleans is Louisiana. So you're really only a state across. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Batavia is in in New York. So. Yeah, and Clinton is in Iowa. So you're really kind of very, very East Coast centric um, where you're suddenly pulling a team out there. But, but remember, the Marlins play teams from all over the country and Kansas is quite central, really. So mm. you can it's easy to fly to wherever. Um, so I think that is um, uh, sort of one of the, um, uh, sort of, uh, I suppose, thoughts about them moving to a different location but absolutely everything remains the only thing that um, i'd expect to see that with um next year is that they could be a, a decent side because some of those players that are coming through may end up in triple a um i'd imagine you'll see sixto starting there next year mm. yeah good yeah excellent well rob as always it's been um it's been great listening to you talk about uh, the the miners and um, I look forward to more of it next year. But yeah, so some changes, but it looks like on the whole, um, a pretty successful year for, throughout the, the minor league system. For the, for the yeah, and, and next week I'll go through uh, Jacksonville 
uh, and then the week after we'll, I'll talk about Jupiter and then um, uh, then sort of follow up with the, the, the you know the success that hopefully Clinton will have that Batavia have already had by winning their division and of course the GCL Marlins have had by winning their division too you need your own podcast mate <laughs> <laughs> great great stuff excellent right guys the, um, there's something that I want to do, just a quick bit of fun, and it's something that I actually thought about, well, I overheard um, when I went to the London series, and it's something I've sort of tried to find a way to, to bring in at some point and never really found the reason and actually did forget about it a bit. But now I've got the floor. Um, I, when I was sitting in um, the London Stadium watching uh, the, the London series of uh, Red Sox versus the Yankees, I was sitting next to an uh, English couple and um, they were Red Sox fans. Well, he was. She was obviously very new to the sport. Had come along for the day, a bit like uh, Tara did with Pete on the day. And um, he was explaining briefly the rules and how you get someone out and how many innings it is and so on. But then she said, OK, so Red Sox, that's our team. Um, who's our best players? So he listed off a, a the, the usual suspects. I mean, I, I don't pretend to know massive amounts from um, players of other teams, but I know you Mookie Betts and I know you Xander um, uh, Bogarts and I know you Chris Sowers and so on. And these were names he were listing off. Now, I then thought to myself, OK, well, their team that they're playing, the Yankees, you can do a similar thing. You've got Stanton's judge, etc. And I thought, if my missus was sitting next to me here now and we were watching the Marlins and she asked me that question, <laughs> that would be a real head, that would be a real head scratcher. I wouldn't really know. If someone said, who's your top five Marlins players? I'd quite struggle with that. So what I thought I'd do Rather than ask you a top five, because I think it might be pretty similar. We're all sort of seeing from the same kin sheet on this pod. But what we could do is we're going to go round the, round the table twice. And I'm going to say, right, who are the Marlins' best six players? And we're going to go round. So I'm going to start and I'm going to say that the Marlins' best player is Brian Anderson. Lee, you're next. It's difficult. It's difficult because we haven't got those stars. We've got, you can perceive this how you want if you want to include prospects and so on. But I think that's a really tough question because it's a roster that are similar of standard and so on. So I just thought this would be quite interesting because I wonder whether it would be all of us singing from the same hymn sheet. So you carry on. Yeah. I'd say, uh, maybe not second, but Starling Castro would probably be in there in the top six at least. And I mean, his performance recently probably is, you know, the best player actually now, you know, based on recent performance. So, yeah, I think Castro would definitely be in the top six at least. Okay. That's a very, very good shout. Yep. Rob Neal? Um, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, he is our top pitcher at the moment. Very fair. Very fair. Well, I'm going to continue on that. And um, I can't go through this without listing my guy. So, uh, Caleb Smith will be in our top six. Lee? Yeah. Uh, it's a bit trickier after that, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd think Pablo Lopez, obviously he's had the injury issues, but honestly, yeah, obviously if, we've all, if they're all healthy sort of on their day, you'd, you'd say Lopez would, would be in there, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it would have really pissed off uh, Pete if we didn't yeah, include uh, Pablo. So, yeah, that's another good shout. So we're quite pitch heavy here. So uh, the final one, Rob, is down to you. Who is so, included in our top six? So this is really tough because um, 
really uh, you've got to include Cooper in there, um, but it does leave out Rojas, which is tough because I, you know, I, I think he should be our captain next year. Um, I think he's got that kind of senior leadership um, element to him. And I was thinking about this actually with Rojas that that maybe you know with Prado and and Grandison going, maybe Rojas is that guy who can fill that sort of senior void, that experience void, that level head. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, I will have to put in Garrett Cooper in there, um, but of course there are there are a few names that miss out: Rojas, Garcia, you know, John Bertie, Harold Ramirez that have had really good seasons. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Cooper, Cooper, I'm cutting Miguel. Yeah. Okay, no, no, I've just something I've always wanted to address, and I thought, well, there's an opportunity because I thought it is a good question. And you could actually say this because I'm a Miami Heat fan as well. We've had the similar sort of issues where. We maybe got obviously a clear player now in our style, but the rest of the roster were very similar. That sort of B B minus yeah. grade, and um, yeah, yeah, same, um, yeah, same so, yeah, but yeah, just interested. But I do agree. I would have to say that um, I agree with all, all the shouts there. So yeah, yeah. okay, just, I mean the, just, the top six on most would probably be similar. Yeah, we didn't we didn't we didn't even, even mention uh, you know, Alfaro. Yeah, I said all Alfaro, Cooper, they're all sort of similar. similar grade. Yeah, like, you yeah. wouldn't really. You know, judge them really. I mean, Alfaro maybe because of the position he plays is more important. Yeah, you know, with the offense he does bring. You know, being a catcher, yeah, yeah, that may that may split the vote. You know, maybe you could say that that's more important. But then he you know, strikes out a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, so yeah, it is, it is you know, in, you know, interesting to you know, thing to see. Yeah, yeah, just a bit of fun. But yeah, no, that's good, and I, I do agree with your uh, with your selection. So that's good. Right, before we come on to just the final bits that we always do with Players of the Weeks and Emoji of the Weeks, um, just a very quick question, and it only has to be a single word answer, if you like. I'll ask you both. But it's non-Marlins related. And, guys, who's going to win? Oh, sorry, who's going to be the wild cards in the National League? <laughs> Washington, is going to be one. Hey, Washington, yeah. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs are there. But when you look below it, Phillies two and a half games back, Arizona three and a half games back, um, and Arizona have been on a bit of a tear of late. They're eight and two, Phillies six and four, Chicago six and four, Washington seven and three. So they're all doing well. Milwaukee uh, falling off um, yeah. Uh, yeah, really have, which is rotation issues. Yeah, rotation issues. You know, Jeffers, who who was their real brilliant bullpen piece, has been released this week. Mm-hmm. So it kind of shows that uh, they've really struggled. The New York Mets, um, you know, the, what was going on with them the other night, they're four and a half games back. Mm-hmm. I can't see the Mets, the Brewers, um, really, or maybe Arizona. I can't see any of those three. It really is between the Cubs and the Phillies. And... Um, it could all come down to that final series <laughs> against the Marlins. We're all going to be there at Passyunk Avenue um, in Fitzrovia by the BT Tower in London. Um, so, on. yeah, so that could be an incredibly tense, tense, you know, time there. But yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that that Washington would have blown what they've got. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I'll, I'll say Washington as, um, as the definite. First, 
And then, yeah, I, I will probably, I sort of do hope Phillies, because I, I quite like the Phillies. My brother's a Philly fan, so I'm quite, I do quite, I, I take more interest in them. But I actually think it will be the Cubs um, with Washington. But not that, yeah, the Brewers, interesting to say, because they are falling off. We've got them coming up soon. Um, and, you know, if, if they middle out this year, the Brewers, um, you know, they're, they've got nothing going on in their farm system. I think they rank bottom of the uh, MLB farm system. So it'll be really interesting to see where they go if they, uh, if they don't do anything this year. It's one of those games where we, we will be the banana skin. You know, yeah. like when, when Yelich came back, he, he absolutely destroyed us, um, you know, like, uh, last year and earlier this season. Uh, yeah. It could be the other way around where, um, you know, we could, um, you know, really be sort of adding more pain to the Brewers because it's a very disappointing season. I think they really thought they were going to really keep it going. And with the number of home runs that, that Yelich has hit, it kind of shows how poor um, um, their, their pitching problems have been. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, right. Okay, guys. So, um, last segment, as always. Um We'll uh, talk about player of the week and emoji of the week. Um, it's been quite a difficult one this week because there's not been... A, I mean, last night's performance was great. Um, I thought we could maybe have a candidate just on that game alone. But um, what have you got? Anyone got anything lined up? Yeah, I had... Well, I had a choice of two. One hitter, one pitcher. It was Castro as a hitter. He was 9 for 24 with three home runs in, in the you know, last seven days. And I think Duggar, you know, he deserves a mention... Obviously, he had a you know, wobbly first start, you know, was it last month against the Mets? And then, you know, to, to come back for his second start there, there were seven innings pitched. I mean, what was it? I mean, uh, just three hits, two runs, but none, you know, none earned. You know, he, you know, and as we say, the, the pitching has been, been an issue. So it was good, you know, good, good to see him, you know, to see, see him have a nice game. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Duggar as my player of the week. Yep, good shout. Good shout. Well deserved. Yep. Rob? Um, I'm going to take Castro for exactly the same stats as what Lee has, Lee has said. I was very impressed with Duggar. Castro has really, really turned it on. And whether it's because, you know, it's just an increase in form or he's aware that he's got to try and get a contract for somewhere, he's going to be a free <laughs> agent. Um, I don't know. Um, there are times when you've watched him and you think, blimey, you know, you of course, his option is massive, so Marlins wouldn't want to take it. But yeah. um, you think he's going to be a useful piece for for someone next year? Um, of course, we got Diaz, and probably with yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably get him backed up by John Bertie. To be honest with you, next year. I'd, but um, yeah, Castro uh, is my player of the week. Um, I don't know if we're doing the emoji of the week, but I'm going to use the Superman one for the uh, the um, uh, John Bertie catch last night. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, fantastic catch, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. spot on. That's a good one. I like that, Lee. What was your emoji? Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, I was going to go go with the dog. You know, yeah, just for for the dog days of August. You know, that that, that we seem, we seem to be experiencing for the last. Yeah, the last few few weeks or so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a good one as well, mate. Yeah, I'm going to follow um follow Rob's player of the week with Castro just because of exactly the same reason with not only just over the week but since since trade deadline when we thought he was going to yeah. go, I think since that's that's passed, he, he just hasn't let go. He's just been yeah. he's so, been a consistent force for us. Yeah, and um, it's quite you know ironic that the year they get rid of the waiver you know thing for August. Yeah, you know, yeah. Now he starts. Now he starts. You know, starts to hit when yeah. 
any other season, you know, we, we might we might have been able to trade him still, you know, in the Rio now, obviously before the August the thirty first, you know, time. But now, now that's gone, and and he only started to hit. Yeah, it's just, it's just oh. ironic. They, <laughs> the first year they they changed it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So um, yeah, hats off to uh, Starling the Marlin. He's been he's been brilliant for 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 a long time now. So keep it up. Um, I like both of your emojis. I think they're both better than mine. But um, I'm going to just go with the Spanish flag in the hope that one day we'll get our host back from Spain <laughs> and uh, he can start regularly hosting some podcasts again. So, uh, <laughs> so no, I hope you're having a good time, Pete. I hope you're having a good time. Yeah. But, uh, we'll, um, we'll wrap it up there, I think, guys. A shorter pod, as expected. But, um, you know, I think we've filled Pete's shoes quite well. And yeah. um, hopefully next week... We'll be back to full strength. We shall see. But in the meantime, unless there's any other business you guys have got. Uh, no, I suppose one other thing with just the, the Kansas series coming up. Yep. Uh, which is going to be very odd because in that kind of the tank race, um, do we want to lose against them or not? They are an odd, <laughs> odd side apart from Whit Merrifield. They just get on base and steal loads and loads of bases. Uh, but their pitching is, is pretty appalling. Um, so um, uh, that'll be an interesting, an interesting series. Uh, I'm going to make a quick prediction though um, on that one, and I think we've got them over three games, haven't we? That we have, yeah. It'll be a, a two-one win at the Marlins. Okay, well we might as well we might as well do our fixture. That, that's the next series, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we're at home, I believe, as well, aren't we? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Lee, what are you saying? Yeah, I think we're we're taking two-one as well. Okay, well, I, I think that we're going to sweep them 3-0. I've got to try and catch up some points. Yeah, so, uh, I'll, go for the, I'll go for the sweep. But I've, I agree, Rob. It's going to be an intriguing one because it's like, what way do we want to go here? Do we want to yeah. we want to tank or do we want to get some record? I, I actually saw earlier we've got 25 games as of tonight left of the season. And if we want to beat last year's tally, we need to go 15 and 10 at, at, at least, which I don't think we're going to do. But it could all depend on what happens over the next two games with the Pirates and the Kansas City. Um, we, should have, we should have another, another thing of, of how many fans are going to be in, in attendance. <laughs> oh, 3, yeah, it's going to be oh, awful. God. It's not going to be pretty, is it? Not going to be pretty. Good, good. Right. OK, guys, we'll, um, we'll wrap it up there. Um, great to talk to you both again. And um, yeah. hopefully we'll be back to full strength next week. But for now, thank you for everyone for listening. That's episode 28 of Fish Across the Pond in the books. We'll see you next week, guys.